The Assyrian army is at the gates of Jerusalem, hurling insults and intimidation over the city wall. What they don't know is that this city is God's city. On the Bible Brief. Our goal is to hit 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. War drums were beating almost constantly in the Assyrian Empire, and this was especially true on the Babylonian front. Babylon consistently rebelled against their overlords to the northwest in Nineveh, and time and time again, Sennacherib had to deal with the region's threat of all-out rebellion against Assyrian rule. Twice, a local rebel there, known to history as Marduk Apla-Edina, usurped Assyrian rule over the city, and twice he had to flee upon the defeat of his forces. But even in exile, this Babylonian king was politicking his way to regain rule over the region once again. One such political event came upon the kingdom of Judah after Hezekiah had become deathly ill. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, had been on his deathbed with some awful malady that threatened to take his life. But being a king who knew God and knew his power, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord for healing. And as a result, God added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. It was an amazing answer to the prayer of this righteous king. News of Hezekiah's sickness wasn't limited to the kingdom of Judah, however, because soon messengers from this rebellious king of Babylon come to find out how Hezekiah is doing. The king had heard of Hezekiah's sickness, and he wanted to express his goodwill toward Hezekiah in Judah. No doubt, this king of Babylon was interested in creating an ally of Hezekiah against their common Assyrian overlords. Now, at the arrival of these messengers, Hezekiah was apparently healed from his malady. And in a proud moment, he makes an error that affects the future of Judah. Apparently, instead of glorifying God for his healing and for his success as king, Hezekiah shows off his treasures to these messengers from Babylon. He shows them his treasury, his fine metals, his armory, and all his storehouses. He shows these Babylonians the richness of his kingdom. And for this, God sends his prophet Isaiah to the king. Isaiah says this to Hezekiah, Hear the word of Yahweh. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. King Hezekiah was told the future. A very grim future for Judah indeed. Despite the looming Assyrian threat, there was a generation coming who would have all its possessions carried away, not to Assyria, but to Babylon. This proud display of goods by Hezekiah would turn into those goods being carried away by the same nation who now sought an ally. This won't be the last that we hear from the kingdom of Babylon. Yet within a few years, Babylon is the furthest thing from Hezekiah's mind. Instead, this king of Judah looks out from Jerusalem upon a vast army. The army of Assyria is on the doorstep of Jerusalem. It's 701 BC, and Sennacherib is in the middle of an invasion of Judah. 
Hezekiah had apparently decided against siding with the Assyrians, and instead made an ally with Egypt in an attempt to avoid paying tribute to the Assyrians. As you can guess, this didn't make Sennacherib happy, and he used this resistance as an excuse to come against the kingdom of Judah, just south of that neighboring kingdom that his father had successfully defeated. Israel had been decimated by Assyria, and Judah would be round two of just the same. We read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he set to work resolutely and built up the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside he built another wall and he strengthened the millow in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance, and he set combat commanders over the people, and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God, to help us and to fight our battles." And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You can see here the kind of faithful ruler that Hezekiah was for his people. A man who trusted not in his own power to save, but who trusted in Yahweh to save them. He uses the words of Moses to Joshua saying, Be strong and courageous, before explaining that the horde of Assyria was no match for the God of Judah. Hezekiah had rallied the troops but Sennacherib's servants would come to try to force surrender through intimidation. We read, After this, Sennacherib king of Assyria sent his servants to Jerusalem to Hezekiah king of Judah and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you that he may give you over to die by famine or by thirst when he tells you, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria. Has not this same Hezekiah taken away your God's high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, before one altar you shall worship, and on it shall you burn your sacrifices? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver the lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of those nations that my fathers devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion, and do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? The Assyrian misunderstanding of God-honoring worship is apparent on its face. Sennacherib assumes that these high places and altars that Hezekiah removed were for the worship of Yahweh. What he doesn't know is that God commanded that the high places be torn down in favor of worship at the temple in Jerusalem. Further, Sennacherib thinks that this God of the people of Judah is just the same as every other god he's defeated in battle. Sennacherib should think again. He's tried to intimidate and harass the people of Jerusalem with his messengers, 
He's mocked the God of Judah, and he's done everything he can to defeat the people without losing men in battle. But where Sennacherib thinks that he's mocked a nobody false god, this time he's come against the one true God with his insults. Soon we see Hezekiah praying to God in fear for his city and his kingdom. We read this. Hezekiah prayed before Yahweh and said, O Yahweh, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim angels, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Yahweh, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Yahweh our God, save us please from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Yahweh, are God alone. Hezekiah is a king who knows what to do when he's in trouble. He goes to his king with an appeal. The king of Judah goes to the king of the universe and says, Please save us. Save us that all may know that you alone are God. And God responds to Hezekiah's plea through the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. What a statement from God. He himself will defend his chosen city of Jerusalem. He will do it for two reasons. First, he'll do it for his own sake to vindicate his name before this Sennacherib who blasphemes the one true God. But second, he will do it for his servant David, to continue the promises to David that his kingdom would be established in Jerusalem. David would have a dynasty, a throne, and an everlasting king to rule on his throne. God never forgets his promises, and he won't even in this trying time for Jerusalem. God will fight for his city. So we read this. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. God is serious about defending his city from this mocking king. The formidable Assyrian army is handily defeated in a single night, and they can do nothing but just leave Judah. Yahweh has defeated this great empire's army with the strikes of his angel. 185,000 with not a single life lost among the people of Jerusalem. You can imagine, perhaps, the eerie silence of the next day when all the people awoke. They looked out around Jerusalem and saw dead bodies. There was no battle cry, no flaming arrows, no flashes of swords. There was just a retreat of any of the Assyrians that remained. A probably silent and defeated retreat, wondering how this must have happened, 
Perhaps many even realized that this God of Jerusalem wasn't like all the other false gods they'd come against. But that's not quite the end of the story for Sennacherib, because we find out eventually how he dies. As Sennacherib was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. This little note may seem odd, but we need to note the location. Sennacherib, that king over the great Assyrian Empire, had success all throughout the region defeating peoples and their false gods. But when he came up against Yahweh in Jerusalem, he was handily defeated. What's worse for Sennacherib is that he never learned that Yahweh was where he should have put his trust to. Instead, he trusted in his false god Nisroch and was killed within the false god's temple. Hezekiah trusted in truth and was safe with Yahweh. Sennacherib trusted in a lie and was assassinated in his false god's temple. Hezekiah knew that the safest place to be in Jerusalem was on his knees in prayer to Yahweh, not frantically planning a battle strategy, not enjoying one last sad meal, not wallowing in self-pity. The safest place to be was appealing to the one and only all-powerful king of the universe. God listens to prayer. He wants to hear from us. He answered Hezekiah's prayer for a longer life, and he answered his prayer for Jerusalem's salvation. Just like that, he listens to us. He wants us to bring our fears and our burdens before him, to approach him not merely as the powerful king of everything, but as our father that we can trust. He's waiting for our prayers. Have you prayed today? Join us next time as we hear more from the prophet Isaiah, a man who is used by God not merely to speak to Hezekiah, but to give hope to a nation and hope to the world. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023